0: Stage first shooting, Skimmer Wayne near Lakeland,
1: Charles 478 Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now, the always entertaining Chris Zeballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's time to go inside EMS. Here it is, the greatest day of the week, and that's Friday, Friday, Friday. I guess we can't say it's the greatest day of the week because since we're in EMS, Wednesday may be your Friday, but. Here's a guy that knows
0: his days of the week, and that's our good friend Kelly Grayson Kelly. how are you I'm fine, man and uh yeah, Friday is my Monday this week anyway so uh so Monday's your um, Friday yeah well it, it rotates every three weeks, so I just the I console myself with the fact that I'm never working more than twenty four hours consecutively and and uh tomorrow's an entirely new day
1: what is that what's the worst schedule you ever worked?
0: Hey, uh, Monday through Friday, eight to five. Oh, really?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was that an EMS job?
0: Yeah, I had a desk job and, and I, I, uh, even when I was a white shirt, I I didn't like dealing with white shirts. So, um, you know, I, 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 much prefer, I'm a night owl, so I much prefer, uh, graveyard shifts. I'm, I'm one of the walking dead that, that shuffles around bleary eyed all night and, and runs calls, uh. And uh doesn't have to do many transfers. That's one of the, the nice things about working a night shift is uh less white shirts and less white uh, and less transfers. So um right. that's always been my niche. Uh but uh working as a, a state EMS bureaucrat was uh painful. <laughs> um, I'm not an eight, uh, eight to five Monday through Friday kind of guy by any by any stretch of the imagination.
1: You know, I could say that I don't know that I ever really had a Bad EMS shift. I did work four a.m. to four p.m. Uh, that was pretty tough getting up at two o'clock in the morning. But I got to tell you, the best shift I ever had was Wednesday through Saturday from twelve noon to twelve midnight.
0: I had a I had shifts like that. That uh, uh, when I work in the hospital, I work eleven a.m. to eleven p.m. Uh, and it was it was pretty much like an ambulance shift on a a 223 rotation. And that was a pretty sweet gig. I liked that a lot. Um, You get to sleep late. uh, You get to go home, actually, at a decent hour. um, And there's still time during the day to handle your your business uh, that needs to be taken care of during normal business hours. So I kind of miss a shift like that. You
1: know, one of the things that we need to do, and maybe we'll do it next show, is let's, uh, you know, we've got a couple... Uh, emails that have come in that we need to answer for our fans, you know, one one email, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the, the person's name right now, where they're talking about, you know, that they're looking for their first job, and, you know, one of the ambulance companies that they need to apply for, which seems to be the biggest one in the area, uh, doesn't have the greatest of reputation, so let's go ahead and dedicate that to the next show, but I think we need to kind of put that, uh, we'll throw some scheduling in there as well, so everyone look forward mm-hmm. to that for our next week's show. But, Kelly, uh, let's go ahead and kick this one off. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it to you, and uh, we're going to the files, aren't
0: we? This one's filed under EMTs Behaving Badly, or in this case, EMT uh, Companies Behaving Badly. San Diego, California, former employees of an ambulance company, claimed that the company took their paychecks and disappeared overnight. Uh, Apparently, a company named ER Ambulance... uh, um Skiff's Town uh they they had been suffering some financial problems uh the owner uh Rafael Silva uh had cut them back to uh to half staff and and apparently that wasn't enough to uh right the financial ship so what he did was is he took all their paychecks and closed the bank account down shut all sold the uh fleet of ambulances and skipped out on all the court hearings uh with his former employees' money Got to just love people like that, don't you, Chris? You know, I got to tell you, I mean,
1: you know, when I saw this story, Kelly, I mean, and there's some there's some stories that are in the news that really kind of touch you in your heart to, to say, you know, what the heck is going on. Knowing what I know about EMS and billing and, and trying to make the ends meet and, you know, learning it from the, you know, from the administration side, there are some times that you're not going to be doing very well. And and, and you're going to have to close your doors because you can't make the ends meet. But the very last thing, the very last thing that you need to do before you shut the doors is make sure these people have their money. You need to make sure that the last thing you do is that the final paycheck that you owe these people is given to them. And and this was just a horrible story where, you know, the, the field of EMS where a majority of the workers go paycheck to paycheck. Now these guys are stuck. They could lose their homes, they you know, they're going to be late on their car payments, they're not going to be able to put food on the table. And this is just a despicable cowardly way to run your business. And I was very very hurt and very disappointed uh to hear that of the folks of this uh, you know that are involved in this situation.
0: You know, I I worked the first year and a half uh, in my career in EMS without getting a paycheck. And I was a paid EMT. You uh, said that before. I, what, is that, I, what did that mean? I never, I never asked uh, you that. Just that. Right I, I worked as a paid EMT without getting a paycheck. We were having problems uh, making payroll, uh, and there were eight, uh, actually nine of us to start with, um, and we made do with what we could until we got our billing straightened out. Um, those days are, are long since past. Um, but that company was one of the, probably my best experience in EMS. They were, they were, you know, it was during my formative years, but it was a, a great place to learn and grow as an EMT, even if I, even with the financial challenges. Because of, of the, the tight knit, uh, brotherhood that we were a part of, we were, we were kind of a family. It makes it easy to work for a man. Uh, if you know he has your best interests in heart and is not, and he's suffering the same, uh, trials and tribulations you are. Um, you know, my boss, we, we had met, we, he got into EMS. Uh, he left the company that, that was covering that area, uh, decided to compete with them because they were not covering his home parish the way they should have been. Um, and, uh, citizens were tired of it. So he started his own company on a Friday night and Monday morning, we were up and running calls. Uh, and that 48 hour window, um, we paid for dearly for the next year and a half, trying to get the organization done uh, that should have been done before he started. Um, and, but you, when you're broke and living at the ambulance station and you're, you're eating roadkill deer, uh, that you, uh, the sheriff's department provided for you and, and, fish from the owner's cousin's fish farm. Um, and you go to him and, and say, Alan, look, uh, they're going to repossess my car if I don't make a payment. And he'll scratch his head and he says, all right, how much do you need to, to make your payment and keep the wolves at bay? That's why I need at least $300. So he writes you check for $300. You go make your car note and you call him back later that afternoon. And you find out that his home phone is disconnected because he gave you his phone bill money to pay your car note. Um, That's not ideal. You never want to run a business that way, but man, it sure makes it a lot easier to be patient and to, uh, to work for a guy like that. When you know that he's suffering, you know, he just paid you, uh, paid you with, with his phone bill money. Um, And then you've got people like uh, Mr. Silva at, at, uh, um ER Ambulance who paid off all his other creditors and skipped town and left his employees holding the bag. Um, this kind of thing is is I don't have words strong enough for how loathsome a behavior that is. Uh and the sad thing is it's still fairly rampant in EMS uh, smaller agencies, these guys just uh we had the, the what was the big company in, in New York and uh New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania that just shut down Landmark, I think it was. Um, and uh, you know these wealthy owners just just shut everything down and left people without work. It's egregious
1: in my mind. I think one of the things that made me successful as a leader is that I take the stance of that nobody works for me, I work for them. My job as a leader is to make sure that they have the tools, mm-hmm. the knowledge, the equipment to do their job. Because they walk into somebody's home at 3 o'clock in the morning, that could be a crack house, that could be you know, the last time that they ever see their family. And really what that comes from, Kelly, is that comes from the point of valuing people and, and valuing the employees for the people that they are. And this gentleman obviously doesn't value his employees because he took what belongs to them that they'll probably never see again. And it's just, it's just a sickening display of leadership.
0: Yeah, you know, what what many people don't understand is that the profit margin in private EMS is razor thin. And if you run a lot of 911, if your payer mix is is fairly poor, a lot of indigent and and Medicaid patients, uh and you do a great number of 911 calls, it's it's most likely a losing proposition. You're not going to get wealthy running an ambulance company unless you're very very lucky or you can you leverage, you know, economies of scale. Um but you still see people with, you know, owners of ambulance companies with nice homes and summer homes and boats and everything else, yet somehow they couldn't uh, keep a profit and manage to pay their employees their last paycheck. Uh, and they usually spent the last months or, or years of the ambulance service's existence uh, working with shoddy equipment and uh, rushing to the bank to uh, to be the first to cash their paycheck to make sure that it didn't bounce Uh uh, those those kind of people can't be run out of EMS quickly enough in my mind but before I get off on a total rant and, and dominate the show with it let's go to another one what do you got for us Chris
1: yeah still man Kelly we're going to stay in the files of EMTs behaving badly and, and this one goes to our dispatch uh, peers that a uh, dispatcher beat a woman use the 911 system for personal information this comes out of Seneca Falls New York beautiful town by the way <coughs> Uh, Stephen Farnsworth was charged with official misconduct and unauthorized use of a computer. He's also facing domestic violence charges. So, you know, here's a dispatcher that had a little bit of challenge with, uh, you know, people that were calling and using uh, 911 for uh, other than emergency situations, decided to uh, use the computer system to attain uh, personal information about the victim, and then, I guess, uh, you know, decided to take matters into his own hands. One of the things that I think is, is very, very interesting here, Kelly, is that this is really where our ego gets the best of us. And we think that, mm-hmm. we, can, you know, we, think that we know better and we could be the ones to fix these problems. And uh, we really can't. And now uh, Mr. Farnsworth finds himself into uh, a little bit of hot water. And it seems that the water is getting hotter and hotter and hotter around him.
0: You know, and, uh, and, and if he is guilty of his charges, I hope they boil the frog, uh, thoroughly. Um, but, you know, whatever happened in the good old days when, when creepy people just stalked you on Foursquare, uh, now they're, they're using, uh, 911 dispatch information and, and, uh, dispatch databases to, uh, to obtain personal information about people. And, and, you know, I, I joke about it and it's not a joking matter. Um, if, uh Steven Farnsworth is is you know proven guilty of of the charges against him that is an, a huge violation of the public trust um you you have a reasonable expectation that when you call 911 hoping that the good guys will come that the people that pick up the darn phone are not um you know mining your your the databases for your personal information finding out your address your home number stalking you uh whatever the case may be. Um, yet in this case, it seems like he uh, he breached the public trust. Uh, and uh, if convicted, then uh, I hope he is uh, he is punished thoroughly for it, and uh, his name lives on in shame.
1: You know, one of the things that I find interesting is, is,
0: and maybe let me ask your opinion about this,
1: what is it about these situations that push us over the edge to, for us to think that we need to take matters into our own hands? Why are we so... I don't know. Why do we take these things so personal that we feel like that we've got to be the, you know, that
0: we've got to be the enforcers to these things? Well, you know, I, first of all, I think we attract, uh, and this has been a common theme in our conversations, Chris, we we attract the wrong people into public safety and EMS. Not, uh, I I can't speak for public safety in general and, and, and how fire department and law enforcement recruiting works, but in EMS, um, we recruit and attract the wrong people. We are we spend inordinate amounts of time, effort, and money tra- uh, trying to lure adrenaline junkies to our field uh, and then try to teach them to be compassionate, professional, and hold hands. Uh, when what we should be doing is is trying to recruit hand holders and teach them how to function in a crisis. Uh, and if you teach people who are fun, if you if you recruit people who are fundamentally good people, uh, honest, compassionate, empathetic people, you can teach them the the coping skills and the crisis management skills they need to function in EMS. And they're not so burned out, bitter, and disillusioned uh, with what the reality of the profession actually is. Um, and, and you don't get people who... who uh, you know, snap and, and use the, the system uh, to to lash out at people that they think are beneath them and, and that sort of thing. On the other hand, if you, you know, if you recruit someone into EMS who who believes he's going to be saving lives every other day and snatching people from the jaws of the reaper uh, every other shift, um, when they are faced with the reality of, of our profession, uh, nothing is more bitter than a disillusioned idealist. Um, and, and I think that it, it all stems from attracting better people to EMS, or I won't say better people, attracting a different mindset to EMS. Uh, that's where it all stems from, in my opinion. And we
1: kind of talked about this last week with Mike Rubin. I mean, when when, when I got into the, the career field in the mid-80s, it was all about helping people. And it seems that somewhere along the line, over the last uh, you know 30 years, we've turned this into a... Uh, um, uh, you know an egotistic you know we start to see these recruiting videos of mm-hmm. of the you know the ambulances ripping down the wet street and you know and uh you know so on and so forth i think we created this mess
0: didn't we oh yeah yeah we, we certainly did you know there's uh nancy uses a, a video uh in in her recruitment lecture of jane Polly is interviewing a uh a volunteer EMT and the guy's in his sixties and, and, and they make a big deal of, of what a, uh, um, how resilient he is and, and how honorable and noble he is at his age to be volunteering as an EMT. And Jane Pauly, you know, internationally renowned journalist back in the day, you know, she didn't do human interest pieces. I mean, this is a woman who reported from war zones and in, in really bad neighborhoods and, and she has faced personal danger herself. And she asked this EMT, you know, um, gosh, I wish I could do what you do. Um, what do you rate my ability to, to uh, do EMS? Would it be like a, a two out of ten? Um, and that's the mindset that, that she had about what we do. And, and you and I both know from, from being in the profession, uh, no, the bar is not set nowhere near that high. Um, uh, quite a, quite a few people who don't need to be in EMS, uh, hold EMS patches, uh, and they're nowhere near the caliber of, of someone like Jane Pauley. Um, but that, that's the public perception is that we're all these, these awesome, uh, uh, heroic caregivers who, who are extremely smart and extremely brave and courageous, uh, and, and that it, it's out of the reach of most people when it's, it's truly not. Um, and that's uh, that's a story for another day. But uh, I think if we if we changed our recruiting pitch, we could uh, we could change EMS for the better. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Let's go ahead and do one more quick story. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is one that I think that it's been on everybody's mind. Certainly, it's going to come out of Virginia, and I'm going to kick it to you to start, Kelly. But I think just the precursor yeah. here is that we don't really know what's happening in Virginia, Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, We're going to talk about this big story, and uh, we're really not going to point a finger at anybody, but since this topic has come up and hit the news, I think we would be hard pressed not to at least discuss the subject of workplace bullying and harassment. So, Kelly Grayson, Mm -hmm. set this up for us.
0: Well, this all begins with a tragedy, And, and no matter how it happened, no matter why it happened, whether it happened uh, because of a suicide in this case or, or whether it happened uh, in an ambulance accident, we lost a member of our brotherhood. Nicole Mittendorf, a firefighter paramedic uh, for Fairfax County uh, Fire and Rescue, um, was uh, reported missing uh, in the, the days preceding April the 15th um and uh, after several days her body was found hanging um in a wooded area uh near where they found her car uh, and they found a suicide note in her car and, and whatever demons plagued Nicole Mittendorf um and, and whatever led to her suicide uh is something that diminishes all of us uh and some ugly accusations have come out and we're going to let the the investigation uh m- Uh, commence and and let the investigation run its course, and and I certainly hope that uh, Chief Richard Bowers, uh, if the investigation of bullying and workplace harassment is true, that he punishes appropriately uh, the people responsible but I think in larger terms, uh, it's time that we talked about in general terms about um, bullying and workplace harassment and EMS uh, and slut shaming and, and fear and, and, and discrimination against gays and, and transgender people and, and everything else. Uh, you know, we're really good about talking about the brotherhood uh, and we, in many places, really suck at practicing it. Uh, and I think that's something that we we need to turn our focus on because uh, it's important. Uh, I don't. I can think of few things that are that are as important as that in our career field right now.
1: Yeah, and I I got to tell you, I mean, I wrote an article for EMS One called "EMS Leaders Must Promote a Workplace Free of Harassment," and I did that in March tenth of twenty fifteen. And I actually have seen this many times in our career field that we allow things to get just a little bit too far and uh, we wind up pushing people away from our career field. You know, I had Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, and I referenced this in the article, Kelly. I had a friend of mine that all she wanted in her life was to be a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And she came under some sexual harassment. And she decided to go to the chief. And because... She is bringing up a, a case of sexual harassment and being harassed I'm being bullied. Uh, the chief who came into the fire service with this uh, person who was uh, being accused called my friend a liar and said that that uh, wasn't true. Now she was labeled a snitch, and she was further alienated from the workforce. And within three months of consecutive... Action. She was terminated. And because of the, the close niche of the fire service, she <clears throat> was ostracized and never, ever able to work in the field again. And what right did she have to come to work to feel safe? Well, that was her right. To feel safe, to learn the business that she wanted to learn, and now she's on the outside staring in all because she said, "Stop it."
0: Yeah, you know, and, and similar similar situation uh, with an a EMS blogger, uh, fairly young EMT I know, who asked to to guest post on my blog about after reading uh, about the Nicole Mittendorf story, um, and she asked to guest post on my blog rather than on her own because she fears the repercussions uh, in her fire department. Uh, if someone were to realize it was her that wrote the, uh, wrote the, uh, column, um, man, I, I just, I don't, I'm not a woman. I can't understand. I, I can't, um, grasp the, uh, the mindset uh, of a woman. Uh, I'm not gay, so I can't really understand how gays think. I'm not transgender, um, so I, I can't understand the motivations and the challenges and, and, and everything else that, that transgender people go through. But I am a human being and, and there's right and there's wrong and there's ways to treat people, period. And, and you said earlier that, you know, some things are taken a little bit too far. So I'm going to quibble with that because I don't think this is a situation of taking things a little bit too far and that things got out of hand. See, there's, a, there's a difference between, you know, having a little fun with a rookie and putting KY jelly on his locker handle or sending him to the truck to fetch a, a batch of fallopian tubes or Hey, you know, rookie, go to, go get me a, a spool of flight line or a, or a quarter blinker fluid or that kind of thing, My short friend. cheating their bed or whatever. And, and the horseplay and the camaraderie that goes on in, in uh, amongst people who are in close proximity and, and have to trust each other. Uh, that's one thing, but when it, Extends to things like online bullying and harassment and slut shaming and and discrimination against and calling transgenderers and gays freaks and and uh, making them fear for their personal safety uh, or as in the case of the Waxahachie uh volunteer firefighter sodomizing with a sausage one of their own while a female firefighter sat and taped it on her cell phone that's not things that went a little too far that's broken twisted sick people that somehow made it into our profession
1: but kelly the, the and, and we let it go on let me cut um, you off though let me cut you go off ahead. though it it all starts though with those little stupid things of vaseline on the You know, Vaseline on the locker and, you know, my favorite one, and I'm not proud, and I was part of this culture as well. I used to send people to get a spare tire for the gurney, go out to the ambulance Mm -hmm. and find a spare tire to the gurney. And it's escalation, though. It starts off with the spare tire, it starts off with the fallopian tube, it starts off with the Vaseline, and then the next thing you're doing is you're calling someone an inappropriate, or a a racially inflamed, or a sexually inflamed, we're doing it in an escalation. And that's what needs to stop. You know, we talk about the rite of passage when you come into EMS and we kind of initiate people. I can't tell you the number of people that I taped down to a backboard. And in the old days, we hung them. Remember when you used to be able to hang the backboard mm-hmm. from the ceiling?
0: And we hung I, I, them. Our ambulances still have those. Chris. Really? And we
1: hung yeah. them. <laughs> well, you need some new ambulance. And we hung them from the ceiling and we left them there for 30 minutes. You know, so... <laughs> But but it was those types of things, Kelly, that we need to break away from because it's turning into bullying and it's turning into harassment.
0: Well, and, and we do need to break away from those things. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I disagree that it's an escalation. I think that, that uh, the people who can't tell the difference uh, between short-sheeting a bed or sending someone for a spare tire to the gurney uh, and... Calling someone uh, a faggot or a freak or a queer or or their abomination unto God or or calling someone a whore or a slut um, is that is not a matter of degrees. Uh, between that and sending someone for a quarter blinker fluid, that's a different thing entirely. And if we, if we call it an escalation or if we call it leading one thing leads to another, we, uh, I think that perpetuates the, the problem because it's not in my mind. It's not, it perpetuates the problem because we can, we convince ourselves that it's good people that, that just don't know where to stop. Uh, I don't believe that it's good people that just don't know where to stop, uh, and that we can we can curtail that by by stricter guidelines. Um, I think it's uh, we had bad people that don't know where the line is or don't care where the line is, uh, and they were bad people before they got into EMS or they get bad people before they got into firefighting, um, and we need to be better at recognizing these bad people and drumming them out of our profession forthwith. Um, we also, uh, and rather than say, well, you know, boy, this things are getting out of hand. No, what got out of hand was the hiring process. Something was wrong with the hiring process. That's a, that person made, uh, made it onto your department.
1: I don't know that it's a problem with the hiring process because here's the challenge. The challenge is is when I go into an interview or when you go into an interview, what are you doing? You're giving people the answers that they want. And you're selling yourself on whatever they want to hear. A- an interview process has nothing to do, has nothing to do with gauging the employee that you're getting. You want a hiring process, I think you have an interview process, I think you have a written test, I think you have a skills test, mm-hmm. and then you've got three months of on-the-job evaluation. Now, a lot of people have those 90-day probationary periods, but are they taking those probationary periods and doing what they need to do with them? So, you know, the hiring process isn't the fault here. The hiring process is that I'm going to tell you whatever you're going to want to hear that's going to want to hire me. Because I can tell you the number of times where I sat across from people and interviewed them, and they sounded like they were going to be great members of the organization, Mm -hmm. only to turn out to be the worst.
0: Well. There's a difference between, uh, between hiring a, a, malcontent, uh, or a, or a subpar clinically medic who manages to hide it well, uh, and hiring a sociopath. Um, and, you know, I, I, we may have to disagree, agree to disagree on this matter, but i look at it this way. Um, and, and I'll, I'll throw the question back to you. Do you, can you honestly tell me, That you think that that things like uh, bullying, widespread bullying, or let's use the case in Waxahachie, that there are firefighters who are sodomizing uh, new recruits with sausages while other firefighters videotape it. There were five of them involved in that. That kind of thing does not happen in a vacuum. That something went rotten with the culture. Uh, and, and if it is so rotten with the culture, then the chief and the leadership had to have either been blind to the fact or have condoned it. Plain and simple. It's a failure of leadership. Uh, that's why I say that there's a flaw in the hiring practices. Uh, and the flaw may have been the person who was doing the hiring in the first place, uh, thinking that certain things weren't really a priority or, or certain character traits were not a problem. Uh, and they turned out to be. I, I have this debate with with Nancy quite often. Is that you know she her motto is is hire for ability, train for uh, or hire for attitude, train for ability. Um, and uh, her former former employer just had a scandal where a guy was uh, um, struck a patient with an iPad. Um, and and he is you know her her former boss is is uh, tying himself in up in knots over that, but. Uh, In that case, and in other cases, there are clues. There are clues if we just look hard enough. That's my belief, anyway.
1: Well, I'm sure people aren't going to be surprised to know that we disagree. Uh, And (laughs) and I think that's what's great about this show, is that, you know... It's okay to
0: disagree. Eventually, you'll
1: realize you're wrong, uh, and that I'm right, and and that will be your moment of true enlightenment. I think that the day that that happens, (laughs) I will come to the religion of Kelly Grayson. Until then, I'm going to sit on the outside... And I'm going to say that uh, you're a heretic. So, But why don't you go ahead and get us up on out of here, and uh, let's get ready for our next show next week.
0: Yeah. Well, Chris and I have told you what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. So email us with your concerns, comments, suggestions uh, at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Ciballaro, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.